Amen. Well, uh, we're in week three of this series called You Are Valuable, and we're asking a very simple question, and here's the question, how much are you worth to God and in reality where you are at? I mean, how much are you worth? And, and, it, and I think it's a great question, especially in the world that we live in today. There's a lot of people that are struggling to sense any kind of value, self-value. Um, and so w- what are you worth today? I mean, that's, that's the question. Do you see yourself as valuable? I'm amazed at how many time I, times I have conversations with, with people and I get this incredible sense that they just see themselves as worthless or useless or hopeless. And, and I, I'm always going, what's going on with that? What, what, what happens there? What, what causes anybody to get to that point where that's their view of themselves? I mean, how, do, how does that happen? And I think, and this is just a thought, I'm just throwing it out there. I think we live in a disposable, throwaway society. And because we live in this disposable, throwaway society, the mentality that kind of is in everything else begins to get applied to us, to us personally. And, and it just messes with us. And so hopefully we can kind of figure out some things about this idea that we're valuable to God, that today we're going to talk about being gifted, that somehow we get our hands and our hearts and our minds wrapped around that. Our key text, our key text is Psalms 139, verse 14. Love this verse, one of my favorite verses. If you haven't ever memorized the scripture verse, this would be a good place to start right here. Just memorize this verse, put it deep within your heart. You'd be surprised at how those verses that you memorize come alive in your life at the right point, at the right time. It's the work of God. So it says this, I praise you, psalmist is talking about the Lord, about God. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. There's something special about what God has done in me and what God is doing in me right now. There's something special about that. And the psalmist is recognized. He goes on, he says, your works are wonderful. In other other words, the things that you do, God, are just off the charts. The things that you do, God, in my life and the things that you're doing in the world, the things that you do, period, are just off the charts. They're amazing, God. And I see that. And then this last phrase, and this is where this whole series is coming from. I know that full well. I know that full well. And see, there's the problem right there, is a lot of us don't know that full well. A lot of us don't really understand this this depth of value that we have. We have something else, and it gets lost in this. And maybe, maybe the biggest battle that most of us face is just simply knowing that we're valuable to God. Maybe today, that's you. You're sitting here, and you're going, you know what? I've never really thought about it, but maybe that's what it is. Maybe the biggest struggle in me is I just don't see myself as valuable, and God does. And so hopefully we can try to figure that out. Now, there's a common problem. Here's the common problem, and this is in your handout to fill in the notes there. We struggle to perceive accurately what God is doing in us first. We, we, we can't seem to understand all the time that God is actively involved in doing something in us. Matter of fact, right now, you might not know it, you might not recognize it, you might not even see it, maybe you do, maybe you don't, but God is doing something in your life right now. He's he's moving in your life right now. Just the very fact they're even here is a little bit of a sign that maybe God's doing something. Either that or you like the coffee or the cookies or the person you're sitting next to. Don't look at them if you don't. Just kind of, you know. But, you know, who knows, I mean, what's going on there? But somehow God is doing something in us, and usually we struggle to perceive that accurately. And then the second part of it is, and what he wants to do through us. What he wants to do through us. So what he's doing in us we struggle with, and what he wants to do through us. And and so we get lost in that. And so too often we're just the opposite. We don't know full well, 
And, and we just get lost in that. Now, here's the deal, and I said this a couple weeks ago, and I feel like it's important to say this again because I don't want us to misunderstand what we're talking about today. There's a lot of talk out there about self-worth or self-esteem, you know. I call it kind of like the Oprah-ism thing out there. You know, you just got to feel good about yourself. You know, you got to love yourself, you know, that kind of thing. And there's some truth in that, but really we're talking about not self-esteem or self-worth. We're talking about God-worth. That I find my true value when I understand my relationship and context to God. And so that's, that's what we're talking about. So the goal of this series is, is to not simply make us feel better about ourselves, but to see ourselves accurately based on the definitions found in Scripture. So somehow, i, I got to get a hold of this idea of a God worth. That God has this worthness. If that's, is that a word? Worthness? No, I don't think it is. But anyway, we'll use it right now. That, that somehow... God is saying you're valuable, and that value is true value. Everything else is kind of a false, cheap imitation. And so we're going to try to figure out what that is. Now, week one, a couple weeks ago, we started off this series by saying we're valuable because we're accepted by God. Now, that's a, that's a big thought, and actually everything is based in this whole series on that one thought, that we're accepted in God. Now, here's the kicker of it, though. It's not because I earned his acceptance. It's not because I performed into his acceptance. It isn't because he, he's like, wow, man, you're really cool. I like you. You know, it, it has nothing to do with my performance or who I am in that regard, but it has everything to do with who he is and how he views me. In other words, he loved me before I was ever born. He accepted me before I was ever born. In spite of all my hang-ups, in spite of all my stupidity, in spite of everything I've ever done in life, God already said, you know what, I accept you. I choose out of my love to accept you. And so the basis of our God-worthness comes from this idea that God accepts us because he is love, not because I performed to earn it. Second, time, second week, last week with Rod, and we talked about how there's words in Ephesians that describe this value. And the words are words like chosen, where you're, God wants a relation. You're chosen for a relationship. By the way, everybody's chosen. It's not just one or two, not just every other, you know, odds and evens. You know, that, that's not how it is. God chooses everybody for relationship. And then it, words like adopted, one of my favorite words in scriptures. Because I love the idea that God sees us somehow without him as being these orphans, being these isolated, living in a dark place kind of people. And he comes pursuing us to call us out, to be his own, to make us children of God, to give us a name that's his. I love that idea. And so that's part of being adopted. In other words, then there was blessed. You're blessed that God is actually in favor, has favor in your life. There's forgiveness. I mean, all these things are because we're, cho we're valuable to God. So today, I want to look at another one. And I already mentioned gifted. It, the, it, we have to understand our value and how valuable we are. And the only way we can do that, or another way we can do that, is to understand that we're gifted. We're gifted. God has gifted each one of us. Some of you might go, well, I don't know if I'm that gifted. I don't know if I really have this gift thing you're talking about. And hopefully through the message day, you go, oh, okay, I, I can see. Yeah, there's some giftedness going on here in my life. So we need to understand the divine process. Now, let me just throw this out. Right now, in this moment, there is a process that God is working out in every one of our lives. 
There is this active motion that God is initiating with his creation. He is sovereignly, which is a big word for he's in control. He is sovereignly moving things and placing things and positioning things all for one grand purpose, which was the original purpose of all of us, to have a special, unique, close relationship with him. And so God is in this process of making it happen. We need to understand that process because when I understand the process, maybe then I can get a glimpse of what he's actually doing. Again, in me and through me, that I, that I can get a hold of that. So I want to look at a verse, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says this, God has made us what we are. God has made us what we are. He's shaped us. He's doing it right now. And then it goes on, in Christ Jesus if you have a pen or a pencil, underline that one phrase, in Christ Jesus. Because everything that we're talking about today that leads us to this coming alive and having this true value hinges on that one thought, in Christ Jesus. You can't get there anywhere. It's not in Troy. It's not in Jennifer. It's in Christ Jesus. This comes alive in me. I, I mean, I can't get there anywhere else. All right, the way, the truth, and life. Nobody else can do this. And so it goes on. In Christ Jesus, God made us to do good works, which God planned in advance for us to, for us to live our lives doing. Now, there's a lot in there. Let me see if I can unpack it with a few truths. First one is this. <clears throat> Excuse me. God made us what we are. Now, right now, you might not like what God has made you, but he has made you. Right? He, he has created you and shaped you and molded you in a unique, specific, special way. Now, some of you think I'm more special than others, but that's a whole other conversation. But there's uniqueness about who you are. God's made you. And with all the brokenness, I mean, I, you know, in, in other words, God didn't say, I'm going to make you broken. That's part of the fall. That's a whole other story. It's part of this story. But that God has made us what we are. And here's what it is, this divine process. Each of us has a divine involvement. In other words, God is involved in the development of who I am as a person. From my birth, even before then, to today, to when I was 10, to when I'm 20, to when I'm 50, God is involved in the process of my life. He's actively moving in my life. Other translations use words like this. He's, it, we are his handiwork, or we his, are his workmanship. It's the work of God's hand that makes us gifted. So all of it comes from God, that God is actively doing something. God is actively moving in each and every one of our lives. At the same time, it's amazing, but it's happening right now. That there's this divine involvement. The second phrase, in Christ Jesus, the one I had you underline, that our giftedness comes alive and has significant meaning through our divine relationship. Our divine relationship. So here's what happens. When you and I come to that point, maybe you have, maybe you haven't, you've come to that point where I say, Lord, by faith, I trust in you to forgive me and make me a new person because I'm desperately broken by myself. When that happens, I come into a relationship with Christ, which then opens up all these other things that I can be a part of. All of a sudden, it comes alive in me, and it's through this relationship with Jesus because I'm with Jesus. I have power in my life. Because I'm with Jesus, I have authority in my life. Because I'm with Jesus, I am made ready to experience true value. 
I mean, it's an exciting phrase. And that one little phrase, because in Christ Jesus, I have this divine relationship. Next phrase, God made us to do good works. Everything, excuse me, each one of us has a mission to complete. Each one of us has a task to perform. Each one of us has a purpose to fulfill. Each one of us in this room have this. And you're like, well, what is it? What is it? What is it? And it is to be a part of this massive cause called eternity with our God. That God created each and every one of us to be somehow part of this divine, uh, uh, this divine intention. That's the word. That we would be part of this huge, big process called divine intention that God has given us this relationship with Jesus so that we can then be involved or intentionally involved in this process called the cause of heaven. That is to restore all of us in relationship. So that's what's happening. I'm I'm part of this. It's happening right now. Then it goes on. Here's the next one. Oh, let me, here's a really important sentence I, I almost skipped. We cannot find the value we long for apart from the active participation of our lives in the pursuit of his divine work he has intended for us to be. Let me, that was a stupid sentence. Let me see if I can get that better. <laughs> we can't find true value unless we understand divine intention. We can't find this true value experience. When I'm, I'm feeling worthless, useless, hopeless, all these different things. The answer then says, God says, I have a divine intention for you to be a part of this cause that's bigger than anything else on the planet. And so, so when that starts to come alive in me, you go, oh, wow, man, I do have value. I'm part of something big here. And it begins to make sense. So here's the next one, and this one I really love, which God planned in advance. God planned in advance. You know what kind of freaks me out a little bit to think that God actually has Tuesday planned out? Anybody else? It's like, well, what's going to happen? <laughs> what are we going to do? <laughs> How's this going to work? What about Thursday? What about July 26th? Somebody go, what's July? I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, somehow he's got, he's got something planned out. He's got this, this thing set up that somehow I'm part of this divine process that in, includes being part of a divine appointment or appointments that God has set my life up. Matter of fact, Scripture says that he even knew the time and the place where you would live. He sovereignly did that. Why? So you would come into a relationship with him. He set it up. See, God's active. God's doing some things. Divinely involved, divine relationship, divine intention, divine appointment. I came across a story this last week. I was was at a, a business meetings for pastors for our state, kind of a big gathering, real boring kind of stuff. And then they had me... services in the evenings and stuff. Well, the, the one night, it was a missionary that I'd heard speak a lot of times. His name was Randy Hurst, great guy. And he's, kinda, he's a missionary to Indonesia and that part of the world, to Southeast Asia kind of area. And he was telling a story that perfectly fit. When he was telling, I was like, man, that's, that fits that point perfectly. And he said this. He said, years ago, he went to Indonesia, and he spoke at a church, and he got done. As he got ready to leave and go to the airport, the pastor of the church came up and said, hey, there's a cab driver that requests to give you a ride to the airport. He said, well, how much is this going to cost me? You know, that kind of deal. You know, this is going to cost me something. So he said, no. He said, He's gonna, he just wants to do it for free. He just free ride to the airport. It's about 45 minutes away. So he goes, okay, this is going to cost me something. So he gets in the cab, and the, guy, the cab driver looks at him, and he goes, Pastor Randy, Pastor Randy, 
we have 45 minutes. I need you to do a 10-minute evangelism a cassette. I need you to do a 15-minute cassette and a 20-minute cassette. Ready? Go. We must go now. Hurry, hurry, hurry. And he's looking at him. What are you talking about? And what he had done is he had, earlier on in his life, realized that God was calling him, appointing him to be a taxi driver evangelist in this Indonesian area. He quit his job at a factory, went to the factory boss and said, hey, I'm quitting because God is calling me to be a factory, I mean, a cab driver evangelist. And he said, well, what do you mean? You don't even have a car. He said, yeah, but God is going to give me a car. The Lord will give me a car. I believe he's calling me to this. He said, well, how much is a car? He says, it's $22,000. And he goes, you don't have 22000 The Lord is going to give me this. He said, the Lord is not going to give you this. He's talking to his boss. And finally, the guy pulls out his check, and he goes, what are you doing? He said, I'm writing you a check for 22000 because the Lord is not going to give you a car. <laughs> right? So he gets a car, you know, and he goes, and that's how he got the car. And so what he does is this cabby, cab driver evangelist, every time a speaker would come to the church that he was part of, he would volunteer to give them a free ride. And as they were in the car, he would say, we have 45-minute, 10-minute, 15-minute, 20-minute message on evangelism. And he would look for different languages for them to speak because all these different people. So then across his dash were like 30 cassettes. It would say Mandarin, you know, different language, dialects and stuff like that. So Pearson would get in the car and he'd talk to him for a moment and say, what is your favorite language? And they'd say Mandarin. He'd go, oh, okay. And he'd pull out the cassette, stick it in, hit play and turn it up, right? Hundreds of people gave their lives to Christ through this process of him being evangelism and his, his thing. So here's how the story goes. So finally, he tells Rainey, I need this. Go, go, go. And he said, no, you know what? Here, here's what I'm going to do. When I get back to the States, I'm going to go into our media center, and I'm going to, I'm going to prepare you the best 10-minute message that will just change people's lives, and I will send it to you. And in, in the cabinet, no, 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 no. You do it right now. You do it right now. <laughs> I'm exhausted. I don't feel like I have an anointing. I don't feel like I'm ready. I'm not prepared. He says, I pray for you right now. And he's driving. <laughs> you know? And so he's finding, he, and then he goes, if you do not do this, tomorrow, a man who speaks English, get in my cab. He'd go to hell because of you. <laughs> so he said, give me the recorder. And so, he's, so, so he starts to share it, and he gives the message, and he gives it to him, and he leaves, and, and he doesn't think anything about it. And then he goes back to the States, comes back to the States. And he gets back to the States, and God starts speaking to him about this cab driver evangelist. And so he says, you know, I, what, what, what do you want me to do, God? How can I help him? What am, what am I supposed to do? He says, I want you to give him a new cab. And so he's like, a new cab? That's a lot of money. So he did some research and found out to get one shipped there and to get it there, the, a Toyota Corolla, that's what it was. To get it there, light blue, it's kind of cool looking, you know, and, and be able to play cassettes. <laughs> and he said, it's going to be $28,000. And he said, okay, Lord, I, 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 I'll do it. And he said, whatever extra money, wherever, I, I, can, I just know that you've given me this. I'm going to set it aside. I'm going to set it aside. I'm going to set it aside for this to buy this. It took him five and a half years to get $28,000. Finally, he gets the $28,000. He's like, hey, I got to go back to this Indonesia. I got to go back to that church. I got to go speaking in there. So he goes, sets up a service, gets, gets done. And by the way, the pastor now that's at this church that he's speaking at is actually a convert of the Capsi driver evangelist. That's pretty cool. And by the way, there was other pastors that had affected thousands of lives. But so he gets there, 
Come to find out, two days before he gets there with the card, turn the keys over and say, hey, here, I've been doing this for five and a half years, saving money to buy you this cap. Because I believe the Lord spoke to me. Divine appointment. He said, two days before that, the old cab broke down. Could not fix it. Couldn't repair it. Couldn't do anything with it. It was done. It, it had like 400,000 miles on it. You know, just crazy number. And so he walks over. He, said, he hands him the keys to this guy. He said, here, here's the, here's the new car. And, and, and he takes it. And this is what the missionary says. Now, isn't that lucky? <laughs> no, it's a divine appointment. And see, some of us, we're supposed to be part of divine appointments. It's part of this process that God is pulling us to. You know, now today, the, he's still going. He had pictures of it. It was really cool. But it's just, just one of those cool stories about God has divine appointments for each one of us. Let me, let me go to the last, last little phrase here. So God has made us what we are in Christ Jesus. God has made us to do good works, which he planned, God planned in advance for us to live our lives doing, doing. See, each of us has been given by God a divine responsibility. See, right now, God is graciously looking at you, no matter how valuable you think you are or invaluable. He's looking, I have a divine responsibility. Just in the fact that he's given us the responsibility says there's value. Just the fact that he looks at your life and says, you could be used in what I'm doing in a great way, in a significant way. Just that fact, by, just that one thought is valuable. And so there's this divine responsibility, and it's based on obedience and availability, because that becomes a big deal when it comes to finding our true value. We are gifted to do something for God. We're gifted to do it. It's one thing to be incredibly gifted. It's another thing to actually use it. It's one thing to have all this lined up with God. Is God has gifted me. God has gifted me. God has gifted me, but I don't do anything with it. He said, hey, I'm not giving you gifts just so you can have gifts. I'm giving you gifts so you can do something with them for me. And so that's the whole point of where he's going. So that's the divine process, that there is divine involvement, divine relationship, divine intention, divine appointment, and divine responsibility. Now, let me kind of pull all the last of it together with three ways that we're gifted. You know, and some of you might say, I'm not gifted. But there's three ways that all of us, I believe, are potentially gifted, and some of them for sure. First one is this. We are all naturally gifted. We are all naturally gifted or gifted naturally. And this is usually the one that we normally recognize. This is the one that we spend most of our time fixating on, natural giftedness. I mean, that's the one that kind of seems to come to the surface all the time. You know, and maybe we say things like they just have great genes or whatever. And it's, it's the one that, that naturally it's things like physical ability, like an athlete. You know, there's somebody that can dunk higher than any, I mean, jump higher than anybody else and dunk the ball or, or, a, or a track star or some athlete. You know, we go, man, that's, that's an amazing ability. Or maybe they have some funky ability where they can do something that nobody else can do. And you're like, wow, they can do something that nobody else can do. And we focus on that. Maybe acting ability or whatever. Or maybe it's appearance. You know, we go, oh, man, they're so beautiful. They, got, they have traits and appearances about, man, they're, they're, you know, I mean, I know you think that a lot of times about me. And I try not to flex too much. <laughs> Easy, honey. <laughs> I mean, the, we, just, we just fixate on that. That usually becomes the one we know most. It's, it's a gift from God. It's a gift from God, a natural, you know, physically or, or a skill that maybe you're a builder or an artist or a communicator. Or maybe it's intelligence. 
You know, you're smart. Man, you're smart. And that's a gift from God. You can do math. Man, that's a gift. You, you can do science. You can be an engineer. You can, man, you, you, you see, man, wow. And it's a gift from God. Now, here's what happens, though. And this is what's important. Is that natural giftedness, without a healthy sense of where it came from or what it's for, will oft, often lead to idol worship. Like, What? Natural giftedness, if all we see is natural giftedness apart from the other two that we're going to talk about or apart from the in Christ Jesus. In other words, when my naturalness comes underneath the reign of Christ Jesus, it becomes supernatural. God uses it. But if it's just the other and that's all I have, and this is usually what we have in our culture, and this is what creates this lack of value, follow me, because it, it, it turns into this idol worship. And here's what happens. We elevate the created over the creator. We, we act like superstars instead of servants. And it gets all whacked out, and all of a sudden, this thing that God intended for us to have naturally that would honor him and glorify him and, and bring this, this whole cause thing into per perspective gets lost because I take on the perspective. And, and, and here, you know, so what happens is, we, you know, the creator over the creator. And often the biggest barrier then become, to our true value becomes ourselves. And here's three real quick ways. We either become overconfident in our, ourselves. We become the most important thing. It all revolves around me. And I block God's gift in this with my own agenda, not his. Or, and this is where it gets more active, we become critical of ourselves or others. Because the only thing we're looking at is this natural. And if we do that, it's like, oh, yeah, I can jump higher than you. Oh, yeah, he can jump, but he can't jump straight. You know, and we get all these things mixed up because we start dogging on this and we try to pull everybody down. And we, in the process, lose our value because we're not understanding the gift of why, how, and what it's for. So this giftedness becomes like, or we compare ourselves. You know, we compare ourselves physically, we compare ourselves skill-wise, we compare ourselves IQ-wise, and if that's all we have, we get lost. We get lost in the process, and we miss out what God is doing in us and wants to do through us, okay? Second one is this, is we are gifted through our experiences. How many of you say, can raise your hand and say, I've been through some tough times? Okay, yeah, most of us. Some of us, we haven't, but there's probably a fairly good likelihood that we will. Here's the deal. Many times, the experiences that we go through, as long as we're in relationship with Christ, or we allow Christ to take that, relate, that experience and use it for his own good, it becomes a gift. So wait, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. You mean that trouble, that hard thing that I went through can actually be a gift from God? Yes. So here's a verse. It says in 2 Corinthians, it says, So if we have trouble, it is to bring you comfort and salvation. In other words, there's going to be something that's going to come out of my difficult experience that's actually going to produce life over here, this incredible value shift that happens because of a giftedness of a hard time. And so he goes on, If we are comforted, it is, being, it is to bring you comfort from the experience of endurance. In other words, because I went through it, now God's going to use my experience to bring about something good in you. And see, here's the deal. Most of us don't look at experiences like that. We just look at it and go, man, that really sucked. 
That was, that was terrible. I didn't like to be a part of that. And we don't realize that maybe, just maybe, if I would allow God to flow through that experience and allow him to have a part in that, realizing that maybe he's gifting me to do something nobody else could do, then I think there's a reality there, that somehow that would take place. Now, I was thinking about it in my own life because there's, there's lessons that we learn to make us valuable. You know, I've learned a couple of them. Number one is the deep calls to the deep. There was a time when I thought God was a thousand miles away, and the Spirit of the Lord came and met me in a powerful way. And I knew for Psalm 42.7 was real and true. The deepness of God calls to the deepness of the longing of my heart, and they collide, and it's good. And now I come before you, and I know that. I know it full well. I know the value of that. The other one is this. Several years ago, almost 12 now, our oldest daughter was killed in a car accident, 16. Tell you what, ripped our hearts out. Cut us deep. Cut us deep to the point where I didn't even know, God, are you even alive? Do you even care? I mean, talk about a crazy, dark, suffering, troubling experience. Never wish it on anybody. Out of that, though, out of that experience, year and a half later or so, God and I are wrestling because I'm really struggling with whether or not God has any value in my life because of that. And it came to the point where I realized I was able to say to God in, in faith, Lord, though you slay me, I will trust you. Now, here's the deal. Because of that, when you go through something here, if you're even halfway hurt because of something going on, you know what happens to me? Oh, God. Lord, be with him. Oh, God, wrap your arms around him. Oh, God, I know that, that that physical thing is killing them. Lord, wrap your arms around them. Because the experience creates value, and it's a gift. Doesn't feel like when it's happened, though, does it? But I have to know that that's what God does. There's something in there that makes that happen. Now, I came across this video clip, and I'm going to show up before I wrap up today. This guy, uh, I think, maybe can relate to a lot of me. He was a broken person. By the way, here's the deal. God can use broken people to do great things, because many times the experience is a gift from God if I allow him to use it. So let's show this video. So I grew up in, a, I'd say, a middle-class home. We went to church on Sundays. Most of the time it wasn't because I was looking for God, it was because I was looking for friends. Well, I went to college. That's when I was introduced to drugs, cocaine became very popular for me. Just the whole bar atmosphere I, I chose to dive right into. You know, I graduated, found a job that I really started succeeding at. I was actually promoted at that job to take on different levels of responsibility around the nation. And one of my first deployments was back in my college hometown. I'd been there for about a month, month and a half, and uh, I ran into a, a really good friend of mine from college. We decided that we were going to a Jimmy Buffett concert. You know, we left and we were drinking and we were uh, just having fun in the car. It was a college road trip, as you will, uh, except we never really made it to the destination. When we hit the tree, my friend went through the windshield and the young lady that was with us was thrown about 20, 35 yards. She's maimed to this day. Uh, my friend obviously died. And I broke 27 bones, including four, five, and six in my vertebrae. You know, I'll never forget the day 
that my parents had to come in and, and rehab. And uh, they had the conversation that, um, that it was very possible that I was going to jail for 40 years for intoxicated manslaughter and intoxicated assault. When I left the hospital, I chose to go home with my parents and I remember the guilt hitting me like a Mack truck. I can't describe to you how far away from God I felt. Instead of turning to Jesus, I, I turned to more drugs, turned to more alcohol. I was on a mission to hurt myself even more. There was a girl that I was dating at this restaurant and she came to me one day and, and I'll never forget. And she said, uh, I'm pregnant. I remember a prayer of God. If you really don't like me this much, why are you hurting her? I remember thinking I was his guinea pig, that he was just gonna abuse me. And that for some reason I'd drawn the short straw because of the bad things I'd done in my life. I was so sure that he was so mad at me. I was so sure that I had nothing to offer. I was so sure that I had crossed the line and that I couldn't go back. It was about three months after that, we decided to get married, much to everybody's chagrin. And during this time, God had started sending Christian men into my life and they took interest in me. And then they would help me and they would, they would guide me in the right direction. I uh, ended up going to trial and the judge stopped everything. He looked me square in the eye and he said, you know, Mr. Germer, I, I see a lot of these cases a year. He said, but there's something sort of different here. Can you tell me, are you in a program? Are you, are you doing anything? What seems to be helping you? And I remember sitting there for a second and dropping my head. And before I knew it, I looked up and I said, Jesus Christ. You know, in a lot of ways, that was the first time I think I ever felt peace. In a lot of ways, I think that was the only time I ever felt that things were gonna be okay. I was left with restitution, I was left with probation, I was left with some jail time, and uh, I had to go AA twice a week. Even though I was starting to experience freedom in my walk, was probably the hardest one because I was dealing with all the emotions that I had always shoved down through my drug addiction. I, I was walking through all those emotions and whatever I'd done to other people's lives. I was like this tornado that just ripped through everything and got to the other side and when, when I got sober and thought everything was okay. I'd been in A for about a year. When my pastor called me in, asked me to uh, take, take over for Celebrate Recovery, I was at our church. And I remember looking at him saying, are you kidding me? I, I, I'm barely functioning as it is, and you want me to lead something? And I remember that night going home and praying with my wife, as excited as we were. I remember, I remember my prayer of, God, you can't use me. How could you, how could you believe in me enough to do this? Don't you know what I've done? I can barely run my own life, much, much, very much run a, a ministry for you. There's no possible way. Over the next four years, the, the Celebrate Recovery that I had been asked to be the ministry leader of, grew from 40 people to 150. And there were stories of freedom all around, but it was one step at a time. It was one Friday night at a time. It was one meeting at a time as God started showing me that he could use somebody that was broken. Good stuff, huh? So uh, here's the deal. Some of you might think that you're beyond value because of the experiences or the brokenness in your life. The reality is, 
is that God might want to actually use that as a gift to even bring greater value. But I've got to give it to him. I've got to allow him to have it. As the worship team begins to come up, I'm going to just walk through the last couple uh, points that we have here today. And that is this. So we're gifted naturally, but we can't stay there because it's very easily to slip into that whole arrogance, pride kind of thing, comparing, critical. We're gifted through our experiences if we allow God and understand that he might actually use some of our experiences to bring value to my life. And the last one is we're gifted spiritually. Here's the deal. Jesus and the relationship in Christ, remember I said that's very important? In Christ Jesus, there comes this relationship with the Spirit of God in our lives, which then spurs or stirs up within us these spiritual gifts. Not something I did myself. It's actually a, a very real, tangible gift from God. And as I get in further relationship with the Holy Spirit, He fills and empowers my life in even greater ways with more spiritual gifts. I encourage you to go to the further reading this week. There's several chapters and verses that I put in there for you to read more about these spiritual gifts. Just look at it, and here's what you'll notice, that God has a variety of giftings that he wants to give each one of us. By the way, here's what's really cool. When we understand this thing, the church goes from being mediocre to being life-changing, impacting, influencing because of the work of the Spirit of God in our giftedness. So he takes our natural abilities, he takes our experiences, and he couples them with the spiritual gifts of heaven, and all of a sudden, watch out because things are happening. Lord, i got to do that. So spiritually, we're, we're gifted. So what do we need to do real quickly? We are to be aware of our gifts. I need to be aware of my natural gifts. I need to be aware of my experiences. I need to be aware of my spiritual gifts. I need to be aware of those. 1 Corinthians 12, chapter 12, verse 1 and 4 says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities that the Spirit gives us. And again, as I give them to God, He empowers my natural abilities, He empowers my experiences, and He gives me on top of that spiritual gifts that are even grander. He says, I don't want you to misunderstand this. I want you to be aware of this. NIV says, I don't want you to be ignorant. In other words, don't be an idiot or stupid about this. Be aware. And then it goes on in verse 4. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts. Not everybody in the room here has the same spiritual gift. Aren't you glad? Wouldn't it be scary if everybody was just like me? That'd be terrible. But we're all different. We're unique because God does that. And so there's this spiritual thing. There's different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. So I need to know this, that I'm part of a divine process. I need to choose then to stir it up. To be aware is to realize there's something of value here I need to go after because my true value is found in this giftedness. So then you read in Timothy, Paul said some things to a young man named Timothy. He says, this is why I remind you to fan into flame the spiritual gift God gave you. Be aware of what God is doing in you through a divine process and stir it up. Fan it. Get it to burn bright and hot and make a difference. Another verse says, don't neglect your spiritual gift. And then a second one, what are we supposed to do? We're, we are expected to use our gift. Use it. If you have gifts, if you have natural gifts, if you have experiences and you have spiritual gifts and you don't use them, God have mercy on you. Because that's like stealing almost. 
God says, I want, to use, I want you to use these things. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. And what's it say? Use them. Use them. Say, God, I, I, I'm aware of this, and I want to be used. And then the second verse there is, if your gift is serving others, serve, with, serve them well. If you're, you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is encourage others, encourage. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you the gift of leadership or leadership ability, take the responsibility casually. Seriously. Use it. Heads bowed, eyes closed. So maybe today you're struggling to find your value and realize it's because you haven't allowed the giftedness of God to come alive in you. Maybe you haven't surrendered your natural talent. Maybe you haven't surrendered your experience. Maybe you haven't opened yourself up to the Spirit of God. But today you realize, you know what, if I'm going to find true value and God sees me as valuable, I need to do this. And I haven't been. And so, Pastor, would you pray for me? If that's you, would you just wave your hand at me? Yeah, yeah, all over the room, all over the room. Maybe today also you're here and you've never accepted the offer of Jesus on the cross. Maybe you thought you were good enough. You didn't need Jesus. But right now you're realizing, you know what, I I might be a little bit more desperately broken than I thought. And Jesus is offering forgiveness. And in Christ, I have all this. I need that. I need to give my life to Jesus. I've never done that and so I want to surrender to him right now would you wave your hand at me just wave it yeah 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 thanks Lord I pray for those two groups of people right now I pray for those that Lord are saying God I've been missing a boat on this so Lord I want to give you my natural ability and my experiences and being open to the spiritual gifts that you're trying to give me Lord have your way in my life and for those, God, today that are raising their hands, say, Lord, I, I, I know I'm not in Christ, and right now I need to be forgiven. Jesus, you're my forgiveness. You're the only answer. You're the only solution. So I accept by faith, simple faith, the offer of the cross to forgive and make me whole. I can't earn it. I can't make it happen. But, Lord, I can trust you to make it happen. Lord, make me new in Jesus' name. Amen.